Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Jody Cook, the founder and CEO of Ballet Quad Cities, and with Courtney Lyon, the ballet's artistic director. Welcome, Jody and Courtney. Hello. Hi. It's so nice to be here. The Nutcracker is a holiday ritual for many of us, and this year's performances are coming up this weekend at the Adler Theater. How are things taking shape for you all? Um, Things are coming together um, at a great pace in the studio as dancers are currently in the studio um, putting the finishing touches, getting all the last minute details together, rehearsing any um, last little bit of choreography they're trying to nail down to get it just perfect for the audience. And the uh, performances are this coming Saturday, December 8th at 2.30 and at 7.30 at night. And then there's a matinee performance as well on Sunday the 9th. How many dancers involved in this production? And I know some are professional and some are students with your company. Mm-hmm. I would say we have close to 45 cast members in this particular Nutcracker this year. Huh. Yeah, it's such a big production and it's such a uh, quintessentially Christmas or, or holiday um, favorite for, for most of us. When was the Nutcracker originally performed? It was in Russia, and it was so long ago, 1892 in St. Petersburg, Russia. Folklore says that it was a flop. How long has Ballet Quad Cities been performing this in our community? Well, that depends, and it's a good question. I was talking to Courtney about this in the studio before we... um, came over here and our very first nutcracker in this community was in Geneseo I want to say 30 years ago and it is it was when the ballet company started out as a school and it was city center for the performing arts we performed nutcracker in Geneseo for the Girl Scouts, and in Act One, there was actually a conversation going, so it was very different than than what we do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how is it? It has evolved quite a bit. How would you, when when you look back and reflect on the evolution, how would you describe that? Oh, it's so sophisticated now. We have the most beautiful costumes and drops and lighting, and Courtney's choreography is second to none. It is stunning. Yeah, it's changed a lot, but that's that's how everything grows and changes. You know, nothing begins as it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Courtney, how long have you been associated with Ballet Quad Cities? I joined Ballet Quad Cities in 2000 as a performer, a professional ballet dancer. I was hired a few years after I graduated from college, and I danced for, I believe, seven seasons as a professional dancer. So every year I performed in the Nutcracker. And then when I chose to stop performing, we, we say retiring, even though it's at a very young age, we say retiring from the stage. When I chose to step away from performing, um, I started getting more interested in what happened 
not just on the stage, but what happened in a theater behind the scenes, what happened in the administrative offices. I was more interested in what Jody was doing in the office. Um, and so she welcomed me to, um, I think we, we started working together on a project called One River Mississippi. I invited her to be kind of my assistant. At that particular time, the artistic director, Johanna Jakeln, was getting ready to return to Norway. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to see how Courtney and I would work together. It was a perfect opportunity. And uh, she, she and I worked side by side to get this enormous project up and on the Mississippi River. I had been working on it for two years. She joined me at the very end to help mm -hmm. me put all the, fin all the final touches on One River Mississippi. And then subsequently, when you became involved in the Nutcracker, it sounds as if you introduced some of your own choreography. So how does that happen? And is, yes. that, is that common for, um, you know, an artistic director to come in and put their own touches, make their own mark on a, on a show? Yes, it is common. The artistic director really has their own ideas and their own vision, and they really need to have an opinion on what's happening on stage, um, the level of the dancers, what the audience will be seeing. So you're directing all the people in what they're doing physically on stage, but you're also um, creating an atmosphere or a world or a level of sophistication or and you know you have to kind of have your own style and flavor and the way you want to see things go and what was interesting was once I'd worked with Jody on One River Mississippi I was probably 12 at least 12 years ago more than that um, that's when I started thinking you know dancing on stage doesn't quite feel like enough for me while I enjoy it I enjoyed it very much. I My world had just opened up, but there was so much more to do to help get this ballet company more involved in the community the way we wanted to be and um, impacting the dance in the community, impacting the dance in the Midwest and nationwide. You know, just being a part of the dance world, it just felt like really important and really exciting what was happening at Ballet Quad Cities. And um, luckily, Jody was really open with me and um, kept inviting me to learn all the things that could be happening. I mean, it's things from grants and, I mean, just the way her brain works and the ideas she comes She's always coming up with new ideas and you think at first, like, how is that going to work or where did that come from? And then you go on this ride with her and you end up learning so much and doing things you've never done before and um, fulfilling these grand ideas. And um, so one of those things is when she came to me and said, I would like for you to be the artistic director and... I, I would like for you to begin to choreograph and teach. And I thought at the time, well, I want to really be part of Ballet Quad Cities, but oh my, I was humbled. Matter of fact, she said to me, oh no, I cannot choreograph. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh yes, you can. And yeah. you will. And you are going to be stupendous. And she is. Yeah. Well, we're so grateful that we have you. Um, the, the classic kind of traditional, as I understand it, choreography for the Nutcracker was arranged by George Balanchine. Um, is that correct? Well, there are several versions that are very popular. The original version, the 1892 version that premiered in St. Petersburg, Russia. I'm not sure how much of that exactly is around today, but Petipa, who was a, 
a very prolific choreographer of the time, choreographed that first. That original one. That original in Russia. Russia. Mm -hmm. And he also did things, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, the classics that are well known. So I'm sure a large portion of what he has done remains today. However, the Nutcracker wasn't very popular in its beginnings, and it wasn't until it moved to America, until George Balanchine uh, premiered his new Nutcracker in 1944, I believe. Um, And it was a hit. And so some of his ideas, I believe, really has influenced the Nutcrackers that we see around the country now mm-hmm. and what we expect, um, some of the things on stage we expect to see and the, the grand, um, the spectacles that you see on stage, the enormous Christmas tree and all the little mice and um, magical snow. snowflakes. Yeah, the yes. snow scene. People love the snow scene. So those were, a lot of those then were introduced by, by him. Um, because it, I had read too that, like you had alluded to, it was uh, was not a popular performance when it was initially um, put on. But it has become um, probably through his work, and then it's um, you know a, this this traditional um, show that we all love. Uh, and then I think it's great that you put your own twist on onto it from there. Um, how did you learn to to do choreography work? Well. It's out of necessity <laughs> because when Jody invited me to be the director and I said to her, well, I would love to do that. I really believe in the vision of the company. I would love to do that. But, oh, my gosh, I just don't think I can choreograph. And she said, no, I think you can. And the first assignment I had was to do the Nutcracker, which is an <laughs> enormous project. And when other people hear that was the very first kind of big project I was given, they say, whoa. But really, it was the right project for me because I grew up with the Nutcracker. It's not an unfamiliar story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very um, comforting to already know the music of the project that you're working on. Um, And after I made it through that, and it seemed to go well, and everything seemed to um, be headed in the right direction, I thought, you know what, I need to go get some more training, um, because I've studied ballet my whole life, and I want to be as good as I can be at anything I do. Um, I always want to educate myself. So I sought out other um, ways of learning choreography, not just by being self-taught, by reading as many books as I could get my hands on, or studying videos of the master's. But I also have attended a choreography workshop five years in a row, I believe, five summers, um, an intensive where you have uh, people helping you learn music, um, how to read a score, how to understand instruments. You have people helping you on the craft of choreography. You have critiques giving you feedback every night. You choreograph every single day. Your piece goes on stage every night, and you get immediate feedback. So um, that's the kind of intensive – I kind of um, – Relate it to Top Chef, if anyone's a fan of Bravo's Top Chef, or one of those like um, reality shows where you have to learn really quick on your feet and you have to think quickly. And then I've been able to bring those skills back home to the Quad Cities and put those into practice through my choreography. And then it's just through the process of doing it and then always wanting it to be better, always wanting more, always wanting the audience to um be able to see something a new way or hear music a different way or have a dancer be challenged. I'm always trying to find something new that interests me and sparks just something I haven't seen before or a feeling that you can't put words to, but oh my gosh, if I can capture it in movement and put that on stage. So it's just the desire to want to always do something more and better and 
I don't know. Yeah, which is great. And that's how we feel, I think, as an audience sitting there and watching it unfold. You know, we're not really aware of all the behind the scenes work, all that you have to do to prepare for it. But it it does elevate us and take us to a different place. It's such a it's such a lovely feeling. Um, you know, and for many young people, going to the Nutcracker is their first experience with ballet and, and sometimes their first live performance of any kind. So this is a, an important introduction to art for children. Um, for those for those viewing it as well. We have 2,000 third graders who will attend our Nutcracker on Friday, uh, December 7th. And <laughs> How many? 2,000. 2,000. And I think we've already gone into all of the Davenport schools, which means 1,400 third graders all had a school outreach. So they've learned about the story, the music, the choreography. They've seen the costuming. Hmm. And they know what it's going to be like to be a good audience member. And that we are thrilled with. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I would think there would be otherwise without that preparation um you know, there'd be certain demands, certainly, that having a younger audience would put on you. It would be potentially more challenging. Year after year, um, you can hear a pin drop. They sit in the audience. They are glued to the stage. They recognize the dancers. They know when to clap. They have a sense of humor. They laugh. It's it's a wonderful thing that um, we are able to bring to young people because that is the future audience, not only for dance, but for art in general. Mm-hmm. Now, for this performance and for many of yours, I believe, you have a mix of professional dancers and students. How do you rehearse and train those various levels all together? And there must be so many challenges with that. It's tricky, but after doing that for years and years and years, Courtney has a system. Um, There are some weeks when we actually will be working on five separate schedules. We work on a schedule with the professional dancers. We work on a schedule with the student performers. We have a schedule for everyone. We have an outreach schedule. We have meetings. Um, it's, It's interesting. There are four of us in the office, and I say on any given day that each of us is doing at least four jobs. So four people equals 12 people on a daily basis. <laughs> so you're covering, covering a lot of ground. Yeah, and yeah. we love it. We love it. Yeah. So. Well, it shows. Um, you know, I was reflecting on this. Why, why do you think that people love the Nutcracker so much? Why do you think it's such a um, cherished ballet and why does the music resonate? It's Tchaikovsky's music. He's written a lot of other music, but this one seems so unique. I think it's memories. I think this is one ballet, as, as we were talking about earlier. There's 44 different dancers in it. Um, we have six and seven and eight-year-olds in this ballet, and so... Um, Young children see it. They see appear on stage. It, it, it has all of the elements that you need 
to have a perfect performance. And there aren't a lot of them, but it, it is. It's the music. It's the choreography. It's, it really is the most unusual story you have ever heard. <laughs> and the only part of it that even begins to make sense is the party scene. <laughs> but it's got a battle. And uh, it's got dancing from all over the world. It has gorgeous costuming. And it just works. <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder if there's something um, just about it being so familiar, familiar because many of us have seen it mm-hmm. numerous times, memories. starting from when we were a child. Yeah, and so the memories make it even uh, more dear. It makes us feel closer to it. The holidays, um, memories, you get dressed up, you mm-hmm. go to a specific theater. Um, for many of our audience members, uh, they have been per- – they come – they come and purchase a very special nutcracker every single year. We have an amazing woman who um, takes care of our merchandise, and she gets nutcrackers from the East Coast, and you can only get them at our performance. And um, there are so many audience members that have nutcracker collections, yeah. and they buy one every single year. I didn't realize that that you sell your specific one. Um, I had read I'm thinking about this, about our conversation today, that nutcrackers in the U.S. were popularized somewhat from the ballet. You know, they've, they're they Germanic. They've been mm-hmm. um, used in, in, in you know, Germany for many, many years, and they're supposed to bring good luck and protection to the family and its, its home, according to legend. But the ballet really increased the sales of the nutcrackers exponentially, we, at least in our country. We sell hundreds of nutcrackers, and um, we also sell very, very special frosted sugar cookies. So there's things that people expect. Uh, this year what we're doing, which is a little different, and I can't wait to hear it, one of our former students plays the harp, and she will be playing the harp before each performance and at intermission. So we've added another special element this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So Ballet Quad Cities, besides the Nutcracker, you you do so many other things. You have... um, uh, other productions throughout the year, and then you have this big educational focus too. Um, and then your dance school is very well regarded. Uh, what type of dance classes do you offer, and where is your studio located? The studio is in downtown Rock Island on 17th Street. We are certainly a very, very strong ballet school, and um, we now are very proud of the fact that it takes, you know, everything just takes so long. But um, some of our high-level students, high school students, uh, perform with our company now because they have been studying ballet for so long. And Courtney teaches most of the high-level classes, so they know exactly what the demand is if you want to dance professionally and especially with with our ballet company mm-hmm. but we offer tap and jazz and repertoire class um, I started doing a master series where we have offered Indian dance um, uh, Mexican dance uh, jazz hip-hop African so our students are so aware of 
of the big picture of dance. It's just not ballet. It's just not a competition. I mean, dance is just this phenomenal art form that there's so much to learn and there's so many professional people out there that um, want to share with our students. Mm-hmm. Are your classes available year-round or do they follow the school calendar? How, how does that they work? They are available year-round and in the summer we have a, a summer intensive where they dance every day for three to four weeks. Um, and then before you know it, it's time for the fall to begin. And we're always thinking, where has the year gone? But we love our school. Most of the classes now are are full. And um, we have classes going on every single evening. We have three studios. So that building Actually, from about 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, the music is playing, the teachers are teaching, and it's full of happy students. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds great. And I'm, I, I was curious to read about your, your, um, your outreach and curriculum programs for young students because you, besides doing all these various things that we've been discussing, you actually have a school-based program as well. Um, one, and one of those is the DREAMS program. Um, what is this exactly, and how, how did that come about? The DREAMS program is something um, that I actually created years and years ago, and I based it on a program. I, I was in Milwaukee, and um, I, I was watching Milwaukee Ballet bus students into their facility, and I knew that probably was not possible in the Quad Cities, but I thought, why can't we go to the students? So it's called Dreams, and it's dedication, responsibility, education, ability, memory, and self-esteem. And that is what the whole program is based on with the discipline of ballet or modern or dance. And so we take that into schools. It's 28 weeks long. It's once a week. It's right after school. And uh, at the very end of the program, those students perform with us at Ballet Under the Stars. Oh, that's oh, that's fantastic. That Ballet Under the Stars, how long have you been doing that? And is that part of Genesius Guild, or is that something completely separate? No, we have probably been doing... Ballet Under the Stars, maybe for 25 years. And we open Genesius Guild Seasons with Ballet Under the Stars. Years ago, we would do two weekends of Ballet Under the Stars, and they were different programs each weekend. Um, So it's changed a lot, and uh, it's an opportunity for students to perform Uh, professional dancers. We've added the students. Last year we added Ballet Folklorico. We added uh, Indian dance. This year I'm hoping to add Irish dancers and some fire dancers. (laughs) Well, that sounds pretty, pretty amazing. And when, when you say ballet under the stars, it literally is under the stars. It's outdoors. It is. At that Lincoln Park Classic Theater. And, And it's in June. So that sounds, that sounds great. What other performances are you looking forward to Um, coming up this spring. I am going to turn this over to Miss Lyon because we are going to have an exceptional spring performance and she can tell you all about it. Yes. So (laughs) coming up in March, we have our performance of Peter and the Wolf and that will be brand new choreography for Peter and the Wolf to Prokofiev's well-known score. And then we have um, a ballet Mother Goose by Ravel, 
So it's a gorgeous, gorgeous score. It's kind of reminiscent to me of the Firebird. So it's like that turn of the century, like um, enchanted type music that has a lot of emotion woven into it. It's just really, really gorgeous. So I'm excited to have a new ballet for that. And that's based on some of the stories of Mother Goose. So um, it's like a shortened version. It's the suite. So I believe it's about 15 to 20 minutes long. And it will have many versions of Beauty and the Beast, Tom Thumb. Um, I'm missing a few. The music is you say Mother Goose, so you think it's for children, but it's approached from the feeling of when you're an adult looking back on something from childhood. And sometimes there's a bit of bittersweetness to it, maybe, or love or just nostalgia or warmth or memory. So there's a lot of different ways to look back at fairy tales that we grew up with or the Mother Goose tales. So that ballet is going to be really special to create. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be a really um, emotional well, it sounds, Process. It, sounds fa it sounds fabulous. Yeah. And that's in late March. Mm -hmm. Where will that be held? Uh, at the Paramount first, mm -hmm. and oh. then we'll be at the Adler. How did the affiliation with Orchestra Iowa get started? Well, when the Paramount Theater was in the process of being rebuilt, the CEO at that particular time was Robert Massey, and it was his dream and his vision to not only see orchestra at the Paramount Theater, but professional ballet and uh, opera as well. Mm -hmm. And so he found us. He, um, he looked all over the Midwest for a professional ballet company that... Uh, would be a good fit for Orchestra Iowa, and it just so happened that Ballet Quad Cities was the company for him. That's fantastic. And, and the Paramount Theater, that's in Cedar Rapids. And how many years has the association or the affiliation um, I think this been is in our place? sixth year, mm -hmm. beginning our sixth year. Yeah. What do you think about, I was wondering about this, what do you think about the future of dance? Do you see it evolving at all? And are young people as interested now in uh, classical ballet as they were in the past? I think they are. If it's any indication what's happening in our school, in our uh, in Ballet Quad City School of Dance, the classes, as Jody mentioned, they're full. We may even have a waiting list at this point for our classical ballet classes. And we don't do a tremendous amount of advertising. You're not going to see ballet quad cities like all over billboards somewhere. But what happens, it's the people who really want a good classical, traditional art education for them, themselves or their, their children. And so it's a lot of word of mouth from families who have had a really positive experience and they share it with others. So we get people so committed to what we're doing at Ballet Quad City School of Dance because they know they're getting a really quality dance education. So it seems like there's more people seeking that versus having the kind of dance education where you end up doing a lot of competitions or it seems like there's a little bit of a, of a change in, in the trends. We also are experiencing a high number of young boys enrolling. So it could be that dance is slightly more mainstream. It's been popular in television in the past decade. There have been a tremendous number of reality shows based on dance. And so perhaps that's bringing it back into people's households again. And so it feels like there's a trend towards people wanting to be more involved in a high level of dance again. Mm -hmm. Whether that's nationwide, I'm not sure. That's what we're experiencing here. Well, that's great to have it be more inclusive. Are there as many rules for men? How, do, how does that work out? 
with the, the young boys and, and men that you're training? Oh, this year it's going to be, I mean, it's wonderful. All of the party boys in Nutcracker are actually young gentlemen who are dancing. They yep. take dance class. It's their sport. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, many of those boys now are dancing at our school. Uh, we have um, junior high. We have young boys. We have junior high boys. It's it's wonderful. It's a sport to them. And and it, sh- it is, and it should be. So mm-hmm. I think that just sounds like a healthier way of approaching dance and thinking about dance because it is in- intensely athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope people appreciate it for that. It's it, athletic, but it's also very intellectual. Dancers are very smart. Dancers are computers. Mm-hmm. They have so many things they have to remember that it's um, it's just it's amazing. It is amazing every day. Our our professional dancers are in rehearsal seven hours a day so they are moving seven hours a day to music and they have to remember all of that choreography many times our dancers are working on three or four different ballets at once well I certainly don't think I'd be able to remember all those moves (laughs) besides the choreography and teaching your students the the mechanics the art of dancing you also need to instruct them on, on acting if you will so a good dancer also knows how to act the part and interact with the audience. So what what are your challenges with that and how do you teach those skills? I don't even know that you teach those skills. I think the ability to act and perform, open your heart up and really let the audience see who you are, that is something not everyone can do, but our students do learn at a very early age that what they are doing is really about the audience. I've heard Courtney say to them in class so many times, look at the last row at the Adler Theater. I mean, you're looking up, you're performing, you're, you are, um, you're entertaining. It's just, it's true. They are entertainers. You all make it look so effortless when you're on the yes. stage. We know it's not, but it, but, but to a observer, it looks. It looks just so effortless. That's the goal. The dancers are trained to think about the audience, number one. It's that connection from the performer to the audience. So the audience is number one. It's are you inviting the audience into the story? Are you remembering them? So you know, so it's, it's, it's done quietly. They don't talk. The dancers don't talk, you know, so sometimes it seems very internal. But my gosh, the entire thing is it's a performing visual art. It's about giving. It's about mm-hmm. sharing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're remembering not just the steps, but spacing on stage, interpretation of music, little corrections here and there, maybe changing the angle of a fingertip so it reads a different way to an audience member. I mean, there's so much. Don't run into the person next to you. I mean, it's like gross motor skills and then refined motor skills. There's Dancers are amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jody Cook and Courtney Lyon, thank you so much for talking today. And best of luck this coming weekend with your performances. Thank, thank you. you. Don't miss the opportunity to watch Ballet Quad Cities, The Nutcracker, this weekend on Saturday, December 8th at 2.30 and at 8.30 p.m. 
There's also a matinee performance on Sunday, December 9th at 2.30 p.m. A special Afterglow event will be held at the Hotel Blackhawk with both dancers and musicians following the Saturday night performance on the 8th. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Thank you.